uh, last weekend we kicked off a new teaching series uh, entitled Keeping a House or Building a Christian Home. Uh, this morning, Pastor Chuck, who was helping me out in our first service, he said, hey, Micah, like, did you plan this like your whole life around this teaching series? Because I shared last weekend that Sarah and I actually just started a major uh, remodeling and addition project on our house. And some of you wondered, uh, after I showed you the big pit in our backyard, uh, what happened with the rain we got last Sunday, like six inches of rain. You guys remember that? And um, so uh, that's me down in the hole uh, making sure our sump pump was running. And it did just fine. And we never got any water in the house, and I got to play in the mud. You see that cool umbrella? That's like a beach umbrella, but I was trying to stay dry because it was raining so much while I was working on it. And so um, even better news, talk about celebrating things. Uh, on Friday, we had a massive cement truck show up to uh, pour some footings for our foundation. Uh, we talked about foundations last week. I'll come back to that in a moment. And I'm just looking at it, realizing either our house is small or that truck is massive, right? Because <laughs> it looks like it's as big as our house is. So uh, what ended up happening is they poured the footings in the back as well as in the front. We're putting a front porch on as well. And then we added this window well in the side of the house. So we have an escape route for the bedroom downstairs. And yesterday, all the way up until I had to get up here for memorial service, I was trying to figure out how to fit the egress window into that space because I'm doing most of the work myself. And um, come to find out in like a house when you're remodeling it, nothing is straight or square or plumb, right? If you guys have ever done this work. So uh, 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 Gumero did a great job cutting the saw cut out, but I had to modify every single piece of wood to get the window to fit. And it's in. I just got to go back and seal it up. So um, uh, we're super excited about that. But uh, uh, the timing is actually maybe providential, but it's coincidental because we're, we're not talking primarily about uh, projects around the house. We're talking about what does it take for you to build a Christian home? Uh, that is to say, every single one of you, whether you're a family of one or you've got a bunch of kids or grandkids, or whether you're a blended family, divorced, remarried, widowed, or whatever the case may be, every single one of you has a place you call home, and God's desire is that within that space, you would receive his blessing and favor, uh, you would have opportunity to grow in community, and that he uh, deeply desires to see you in your home thrive. And so what we've been looking at, and we just started in last week, is six biblical guidelines for how you can build a Christian home. Last weekend, we started out by talking about laying the foundation. And we heard Jesus say, a, a wise person is someone who builds their life on my words and seeks to put them into practice. So Jesus himself says that he is our foundation. Elsewhere, Paul says he is the chief cornerstone upon which everything in our lives should be constructed. And so we looked at five healthy habits that we could seek to pursue to build on the foundation of Jesus. Things like worshiping regularly, even every week, uh, reading God's word on a daily basis, praying constantly, serving together in community, and being generous uh, with what God has blessed you. These are five patterns we see in the life of Jesus, and we seek to put into practice his words and ways as his followers, okay? And so I challenged you last week to look at one maybe of those five and say, what can I lean into this week and see if I can grow a little bit in building on my foundation following Jesus? Uh, today, we're going to take a look at the second topic of having healthy communication. Uh, now, interestingly, I was scrolling through my news feed this week, and I saw an example of healthy communication. Uh, my remote's a little slow today, so let's see if it pops up here in just a second. It was from People 
magazine. Nick, can you go ahead and bring up the next slide? Uh, and it's a story about a cat that was lost, I think it was in New York, and was reunited with their family, right? If you can see the headline here, this is from People Mag. I don't know anyone who still gets People Magazine, uh, but it shows up on my Apple News feed, and it was kind of funny. And so you can actually Google this if you want, and you can see a YouTube video of this cat who was lost for four days coming up to the ring doorbell on their new home, uh, activating the doorbell, and then meowing what sounds like the word mom, right? And apparently, they had the ring set up, so it showed up on their TV down in the basement. And so all of a sudden, they're watching Netflix or whatever, and all of a sudden, here pops up their cat, and it says, Mom, and there is this happy reunion. So uh, some of you are pet people. You have cats. You have dogs, maybe. You know there actually is an ability to communicate. Uh, maybe not with words, right? But this morning, my cat, Deborah was following me around the house, and she wanted to go outside, but there's a big hole in the backyard, so she can't go outside. And then she loves to get in the shower after we're done and, like, lap up the water. That may sound creepy, but she's just thirsty, okay? So she actually was in the bathroom before I got to the bathroom. She knows my patterns uh, and where I'm going to go next. And, uh, and so there's a way that you can communicate with your furry friends as well. But we're actually talking more about uh, how you can use words in healthy ways with your family and your community, whatever that looks like for you. So we're going to start out with this verse, Ephesians 4.15, kind of segues us into the main part of Ephesians 4 that we're going to look at in a moment. Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Christ. So what this means is that the way we use our words reveals something about our character. And God's desire is that our character would increasingly become more like Jesus. And so from beginning to end in God's word, he has a lot to say about how we use our words. Uh, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Christ. Uh, here's another example uh, of how uh, uh, Paul is talking about using your words well. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Okay, so we'll just start with that part right there. Let no corrupting talks come out of your mouth. It's interesting. Uh, the word corrupting could also be translated as rotten. As you can see, I put it up there. Uh, putrid, disgusting. Any of you ever had some fruit or some vegetables you left out on your counter a little too long and they started to rot and they start to ooze and stink and all of a sudden uh, fruit flies or whatever it is start popping up? You ever had that happen, right? Um, it can be uh, just revolting to see something that is rotten or putrid or disgusting. Paul says our words can be like that too. They can destroy and tear people down. James, in his letter, says it this way. Here's my quick little translation. I love what he says. He says, the tongue is like a little flame and setting ablaze the entire course of life. <laughs> I think it's pretty intense. And setting it ablaze with the fire of hell, he says. Right? That's how powerful hurtful words and destructive words can be. And some of you in the room, and some of you may be joining us from home, you've been on the receiving end of some very hurtful words. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe you were verbally abused. Maybe you had someone, a parent, a friend, a, 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 somebody in a position of authority uh, tell you you'd never amount to anything. You're a failure. You're stupid. You are never going to be any good. Maybe you have been torn down and your life has been changed profoundly because of some putrid, disgusting, hurtful words that were said over you and about you. And if that's your story today, I just want to let you know that you are not alone. 
uh, that there are others who have experienced that kind of pain. But I also want you to know that you are not stuck there. Those putrid, hurtful, horrifying words do not define who you are. But instead, like we saw with Sloan a few moments ago in our baptism, God has some words to say about you, and his words always bring hope and life and opportunity. Some of you have been on the receiving end of life-giving words. Maybe you had a parent or a teacher, a pastor, a neighbor, a friend who spoke potential into you as a child. Or maybe you had a boss or a coworker who said, you know what, you are going to do an awesome job on this project. I want to give you freedom and opportunity. Just run with it, right? See what happens. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of life-giving words, and you know how powerful they can be. Paul says it this way, uh, our words should only be for building up as fits the occasion. So the picture we get is that we can proactively, constructively use words in our homes and in community that give life and speak hope and truth into people. You can choose your words wisely so that they are not the kind that tear down and destroy, but build up and give life. Now, I was looking for um, some updated information on the book, The Five Love Languages. Gary Chapman, some of you know about that. It's a powerful tool. It's about 30 years old now. And so I found my way to focus on the family looking for that. But I ended up finding this, which I thought was interesting because, again, we're in the middle of a major home project. There's this article from the summer by Ruth McKinney about four renovation principles to keep your marriage strong, right? Essentially, uh, they've done a bunch of house projects. and They said, here's a few tips for how you can not destroy your life while trying to fix your house, right? And um, so, but, but think about it, not just in terms of a home project, but think about it proactively. Whether you're married or not, how can you build healthy rhythms and relationships through how you communicate, including through challenging times? Interestingly, the first thing she says, check your foundation, right? So she goes back like we did last week to Matthew 7, build on uh, the words and the ways of Jesus. Uh, and the second thing, practice the arts of compromise. Have you found uh, that in a relationship you have, whether you're married or not, or coworker, friend, neighbor, if the person that you are connecting to in relationship always has to get their way, it's exhausting, isn't it? Right? It just sucks you dry, right? And and there no there's no sometimes you can't escape it. Like if you're like related to them, you have to deal with that. Sometimes uh, what you do is you just move on to a new relationship, because if someone is always demanding and expecting to get their own way, uh, there's, there's no opportunity for life and connection and community. So uh, the second thing uh, that Ruth suggests is you got to find ways to compromise. And if you're doing a project around the house, you know, you can't always get exactly what you want, so you got to work it out. Or the old country song, there ain't no road too long when you meet in the middle. Okay, nobody likes that song. Never mind. I'll delete that from <laughs> illustrations in the future. That's okay, right? Uh, here's the third thing. Uh, Ruth tells a story about trusting each other. And uh, she wanted to surprise her husband as they were doing one particular remodeling project and surprise him with this amazing kitchen. But she didn't want to tell him anything because she wanted to be a surprise and she didn't want to ruin it. So uh, what she didn't remember is his proverb. He had maybe learned from his dad, uh, measure twice, cut once. You ever heard that before, right? Measure twice, cut once. Well, she had this grand kitchen design plan with this massive island in the middle only to find out when they came to bring it in, didn't fit through the door right? The island was too big, and so she had to spill the beans to her husband, and he had to take out a massive kitchen window with all the trim that he'd already put in uh, in order to get it into the kitchen. And what she says is, we got to learn to trust each other, that, uh, that we'll put the best construction on it. He didn't second-guess her design plans. He just found a way to make it work. That's part of compromise, too. And it's also part of the fourth thing, 
putting people first, right? If you prioritize success in your career or in a project that you're trying to accomplish over the people that God has called you to do life with, what you're going to find is no one wins. But if you put people first, your family, your friends, your neighbors, whatever your community looks like, whatever your home is, translate that to that setting. If you're always putting people first, the rest of the stuff will find a way to get itself worked out. Right? So four pro tips. How do you uh, keep your life, your home strong while you're going through challenging times? Check your foundation. Uh, don't be afraid to compromise. Uh, trust, extend it, and put people first. And when you do, you'll find out that this is true. Uh, the last part of our verse, we're going to kind of land our plane here. He starts up by saying, let no corrupting, putrid, disgusting stuff come out of your mouth. Don't let your words tear down. Instead, seek to build up. And why? That it may give grace to those who hear. Friends, here's what we've learned. All of us need all the help we can get. No one is perfect. right? There's no perfect family. There's no perfect home. All of us need the help that God freely gives. And he gives it to us in abundance. But then here's what's amazing. Once our sins are forgiven, our name uh, given to us in the waters of baptism, a new identity, a new hope, and a new future, God says, I actually want to work in and through you. You get to be like the conduits, the pathways of God's grace, hope, and healing in the world. And so when you speak truth and hope and life to others, it actually brings the grace of God into their life and reality. Friends, don't overlook the power and the potential of a positive word, an encouraging statement, a word of forgiveness, grace, and truth that God can speak through you. So let's wrap it up. God says, don't let anything putrid come out of your hearts because he cares about what's inside of us that comes out of us, and he knows that it can cause great harm. He says, instead, let your words build up. Let them bring life and grace to those who hear it. And when you do, you'll find your homes, whatever shape they take, are places of life and of hope and of healing. Amen.